Lord, our God is good. He is a good God. Amen. Yes, Lord, you are a good God. We're so glad that you came into our life and changed us all around and made us new creatures. You're amazing, Lord. We just thank you. You saved our lives. You led us from darkness to light, from the kingdom of the, the enemy to your kingdom, and we just praise your holy name. Lord, tonight we give this service over to you. We give our lives over to you in a special and a new way. Lord, we're yours. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated, everybody, for everyone online. For that you, those that just tuned in, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We are glad you're, you're here tonight. Um, stay tuned. You know, we're going to be in Romans chapter 1, verse 14 through 16 for anyone that just tuned in. Um, I want to remind you that every Thursday night we have a, a Bible study here at Freedom Church at 715. If you're local, you know, please stop by or tune us in. You can go to our website, Freedom Church, PB, stands for palmbeach.org, freedomchurchpb.org. You can, uh, if you're local, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road, just a quarter mile west of I-95 on High Paluxo on the north side of the road. So we'll be glad to have you. For those men that are available and you're looking for a Bible study on Saturday morning, we're right here, same address, 2810 High Paluxo Road um, at 9 a.m., and we have a Bible study study here. And for those online now, you can tune in Sunday every 10 a.m. We have a Bible study. This Sunday, uh, Pastor, Evangelist, uh, Missionary Brett Haynes will be here. He's going to be speaking. He just made several trips to Tanz Tanzania, Africa, to Nigeria, Africa, and to Brazil. Ended up in Recife where he started a church uh, years ago and uh, ended up in Rio to minister for a while. And he'll be here Sunday planning, telling us his future plans and uh, what God has done on these, on these missions trips that, that he, and, he and his wife and children have been on. So... Um, we're glad you're here. For those online, freedomchurchpb.org, freedomchurchpb.org. You can check us out, find out what we believe in, who we believe in, and um, you can, uh, you know, go to any of our messages from years past. You can find out our location. You can um, even donate online should the Lord lead you. I just want to encourage the church, you know, that, not just this church, but every church, because we're all Church of Christ. As long as you believe that He came, He died, He's buried, and He is risen, and you've received Him into your heart, well, then, then you're a believer. We have a one common thread, the, the, the birth, the death, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, we do agree. We do agree at Christian Church. So praise the Lord. Um, let's see. I want to remind you to give to your churches because we're out there doing, um, you know, missions work for the Lord. You don't donate and, and support your local church, your home church, or even give gifts and offerings to other churches, then you're slowing down the, the gospel. And I don't know about you, but I want the gospel to speed up so we can get out of here. Maybe that trumpet will sound. 
we got a shofar right here. Maybe Lewis will be blowing it at the same time. You know, the Holy Spirit or one of the angels is blowing that trumpet. And then the dead in Christ can rise first, and we will be transformed in the twinkling of an eye and be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. I can't wait to see that. I hope you can see the excitement, you know, that's in a person's heart when they think about this. This is no fairy tale. Jesus said he was coming. He came. You know, it's all through the scriptures, 365 prophecies fulfilled. And he is. we're going to learn about that a little bit tonight. You know, the gospel is prophetic. You know, we see, we see other five. There's actually five points I got on that tonight. You know, uh, the gospel is prophetic. And he is coming back. And it's a sure thing. He said he was coming the first time. He came. He told us what he was going to do the first time. He did. And here we are. We're just waiting for his return. I can't wait. Um, so this Sunday, too, we'll be praying for our for Matt Matt Feldner right here. We're sending him and are helping to send him to uh, Brazil to teach English to the the locals there that are training to be English-speaking missionaries. So we're going to be sending him off, and we're going to be praying for him too. So, you know, we, we, we love missions, and we support the work of missions. Um, as we study on Paul, we'll see he was probably one of the, he was probably the greatest missionary that ever was. So um, I want to, we'll look at that tonight too. All right, um, Sunday, 10 a.m., if you're local, stop in, 2810 High Paluxo Road, or go to our website, Freedom Church, PB, stands for palmbeach.org, Freedom Church. We might be small, but we're mighty. I can tell you that. We've got several missions that we support, you know, um, and, and I'm just, I'm, can I say, I don't want to say proud, but I'm happy that God would use us. You know what I mean? That's a blessing and an honor to serve the Lord in that way. So, um, that's the end of announcements here. I do want to pray and give you an update. Janice Baratari, you know, we prayed for her. She ended up with some tumors on her, on her uh, patab- what's this, um, cerebrum, cerebellum, you know, and uh, a spot on her lung. Um, and she's confined really to a wheelchair now. It's just, that's where she's at. Yesterday she had a direct target chemotherapy or radiation, radiation, deep target radiation for uh, two days already. So tomorrow she's having another one, and then like 10, 10 right in a row. You know, so that's going to beat her up pretty good. So we're going to pray, as I know people that have done that, and it does weaken you for a while until you, you know, come back together and then you're strong again. And we're believing the Lord will heal her. Because we're one of those churches that we believe that we can tell a mountain to move out of the way. Because Jesus told us we can. If we have faith in God and if we believe what we pray. And he would grant it to us. It's as simple as that. And the next verse says there's nothing impossible for God. So let's believe it. Father, tonight we come to you, Lord. We want to lift up our our beautiful friend and sister, um, Janice Baratieri, before you, Lord. We we pray, Lord God, that those tumors begin to shrink even on their own. Father God, that even the doctors are amazed. And then she'll be up on her feet again, walking around as normal and blessing us with her presence and her, her uh, beautiful words that she speaks to each and every one of us. So, Lord, tonight we pray for them. I know his, her two daughters, uh, Angie, is in town. They flew in to help. And, and uh, Jen is right here in the area and a granddaughter in the area. 
and they're all helping the situation because Harry's having a hard time, you know, picking her up. He's he's up there in age and um, not as strong as he used to be, and it's uh, the girls know how to handle it better. So, Lord, we just pray for, and for uh, uh, Harry, the caregiver, and we pray for Janice to give her strength, healing, Father God, and, and raise her up to the glory of you and your son, Jesus Christ, Father. We, we thank you and we praise you. We bind any evil forces of wickedness. In Jesus' name we do, because we have the authority to do it. Lord, let it be done in the name of our awesome Savior, Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay, God bless the church. Everybody out there, turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I'm not going to really go through too much of the prior verses since we did in two sessions. You know, we did uh, first six verses in Romans chapter 1, and then we we uh, did uh, the next from 7 to 13 last week, and we're going to uh, take on 14 through 16 today. Now, everybody knows if you've been a Bible student for long, you know what that 16th verse says in Romans chapter 1. Okay, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation to the Jew first and also the Greek. You know that verse. And boy, that's been the subject of many uh, sermons, I'm sure. And many of evangelistic crusades would have been using that. But tonight I named this message. If you go online in a couple days or, or Facebook, you'll see that it is titled, Five reasons not to be ashamed. Five reasons not to be ashamed. And a little bit later on as we get into this, this study, we'll be bringing that up because there is some important information prior to that. We did find out in the last couple of weeks that Paul says he's a bondservant to Christ. He's chained to the oars in, in the sailboats. He's chained to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's been called just like you and I. If you're a believer and know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have been called into the kingdom of God. Like it's, it's better than the President of the United States calling you up and saying, hey, I want you on my cabinet. You know what? It's way better than that. I even heard our former president say, hey, you know, he, he's, somebody said that you're the highest or something. He said, oh, no, oh, no, he's the highest. He's the highest. He's much higher than me. And that is the truth. You can't even be compared to, to that. But, you know, he's been called. You've been called. He's been called as an apostle. You, I don't know what you've been called to as a teacher, a pastor, a missionary, a, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, uh, one gifted with hospitality, one gifted with encouragement, you name it. There's like 17 gifts that, that the Holy Spirit could give you. And you're separated. Just like Paul, you're separated to the gospel of Christ. You know, you are to come out from among them. I brought out last week. Come out from among them. You are no longer part of this world. You're part of God's kingdom now. You've been called out of darkness into his glorious light. You've been called from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. You are now separated from this world. And you know what? Sometimes a lot of believers, they need to get rid of those bad influences in their life. You know, the ones that lead you down the wrong path. They separate you and try to draw you back into your darkness. You know, 
anybody that puts their hand to the plow of Jesus and looks back, Jesus said, you're not worthy of the kingdom. Now, each one of us backslides once in a while. It just happens. But we catch ourselves because the Holy Spirit convicts us concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment, and we draw us right back into the kingdom. Praise be to God and the Holy Spirit, you know, in the Spirit. Um, and, um, you know, Paul says, you know, that he first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all in Rome. You know, he loves the Roman people. He haven't, hasn't made it there yet. But he knows that he's going to make it there because the Lord had told him that he's going to go to Rome. He must preach before kings. And, and the only king around, really, Herod really wasn't a king. He kind of named himself and got permission of, from Rome to call himself king, but he really wasn't a king. The only real king around at this time was Caesar, and he knew he was on his way to Rome. He did get sidetracked for a while to the island of Malta, um, but, you know, God had a plan. Like I said, we direct our, we plan our ways, but God directs the step. Here in verse 14, I'll read 14 through 16 to you. Paul says, I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to, to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and for also for the Greek. And this is the New King James Version. Paul's a bond servant, as I told you. Now he tells you it's in the 14th verse that he is a debtor. He is a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. A debtor in Greek is ophilutes, which equals, I know that's a poor pronunciation, but you get the message. I want you to know that we're digging into the Greek here a little bit. One, when it means one under an obligation or bound to same some duty. And really, Paul was bound to a duty to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But listen, saints, so are you. So are you. Jesus gave us the Great Commission, and you know that Great Commission, to go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, don't forget, I'll be with you always. That means it's a co-mission. Your mission is with Jesus Christ and him alone. See, you, too, are, are to be a debtor in, under obligation or bound to some duty, which is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, you can preach it with your mouth. You can preach it with your actions. I mean, if you preach it with your mouth and your actions, you know, that's just double duty, and that's great. That's great. Um. Wise, he said, to the wise and the unwise. And we know for a fact, the scriptures are very clear, and I'm going to give you some of them. Proverbs 1, seven says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. You know what? All these people that graduate with master's degrees and, and doctor degrees, they think they're so intelligent, not according to the word of God. You know, they might be intelligent, but they're not wise, if I may put it that way, because they missed and they do not fear God. If you don't fear God, you know, then you don't have the, you can't have the beginning of knowledge because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, says the scriptures. Now back that up with Job 28, 28. To, and to 
man, he, that means God, said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, which is Jehovah, you know, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil, that is understanding. Now, we see a lot of people today, you know, we know that, you know, they say they fear God, but they act like they're heathens. Well, you can't do that according to the Scriptures. You know, the fear of the Lord, the fear of Jehovah, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil. You know, we have a lot of people that call them Christ, themselves Christians in the government and in big leadership, but, but what can I say? They call evil good and good evil. And Isaiah says in chapter 5, uh, chapter 1 and verse 5, I believe it is, that, that woe to them who call good evil and evil good. You know, and that's what we got going on. We got a bunch of believers out there calling evil good. Listen, you can't, you can't be a Christian with all of your heart and go directly against the Scriptures, taking the Lord's name in vain, lest we can go that, that far. We could go into um, homosexuality. We could go into even making a, just being a chronic liar. You know, you have to be changed. You can't say that that's good. It's not good. We've got to correct ourselves. You know, we're changing the meaning of very various words in the Bible. Evil is evil, and good is good. It's just all there is to it. James 3.17 tells us, This is wisdom that is from above. It is first pure, it is peaceable, it is gentle, and it is easy, and it's full of mercy and brings good fruit without any hypocrisy. Without any hypocrisy. You know what a hypocrite is? He's an actor. A hypocrite is an actor. He acts like a Christian, but he really isn't. Now, you've got to be careful. We've got to test ourselves and examine ourselves to see if we are Christian, says the Scriptures in Romans 13, 5, I believe it is. If you lack wisdom, James says, all you've got to do is ask of God. You want wisdom? Ask of God. That tells me right there that you believe there is a God, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Ask of God, and he'll give to all men liberally, and upbraid it not, and it shall be given him. That's all you got to do is ask for it. Because the, un, the um, double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It could be said that um, of, of not only the wise, but of the sophisticated and the simple. It could be said of the businessman and the employer, the biker and the hippie. It could be said of them, you can be wise because you believe in that there is a God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That means before you come to know Jesus, you have to believe that there is a God who sent his son because he loved the world so much that he sent his only begotten son. That's the first step. You've got to believe in God. So the beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. That could be said, I don't care if you're, you're an engineer or, or a, a bum. You could be a housewife or a mother, a lawyer or an Indian chief, an athlete or a prisoner. You need wisdom. You don't care if you have a doctorate degree. 
I don't care if you have a master's degree or a bachelor's degree. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He says both to the wise. He wants to preach to the wise, the ones who know God, and he wants to preach to the unwise with the ones that don't believe there is a God. Remember I said, you know, that that, actually it's Hebrews 11.5. You know, the fear, no, no, it says says, um, without faith. It is impossible to please God. So you have to have faith in God. For he who comes to God must believe there is a God. Okay? That's the beginning. Believing there is a God. Yet there's a bunch of people running around saying there is no God, there is no God. But I'll bet you if I check their their, their bank account, I'll bet you I'll find out what their God is or who their God is. It's going to be money or sex or boats or condos. Or whatever it could be. Those are unwise. And those people do not fear the Lord. They have have earthly wisdom, but not true wisdom. And they have earthly understanding, but not godly understanding. And in that, the devil hinders them and their steps. And they go through this life not knowing where they're headed in the first place. Paul says... Why is Paul saying this? Because he has, is amazed. He's amazed at God's mercy, at God's grace, at God's goodness to save a wretch like him. You know what? We sing the song, you know, amazing, uh, amazing grace. You know what? Any one of us can say that about our life. So if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're saying this about yourself. You're saying, to save a wretch like me? Paul is saying that here. He's saying, he's so amazed at God's grace and mercy. He said, to save a wretch like him. And believe me, you might not have been as bad as Paul. You know, Paul was a big part. They laid their coats at Paul's feet when Stephen was stoned. And we can see that in chapter 7 of Acts. I mean, beautiful Paul wasn't affected at all until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And his whole life changed. And he's amazed at God's mercy because he was involved big time in, in, in the stoning and martyrdom of the Apostle Stephen. Unbelievable. Well, he was really a deacon, but you know what? That deacon was able to preach like nobody I've ever known. So you deacons out there, you better be ready to preach. You should be unashamed of the gospel of Christ because your your calling, deacons, is not just to wait tables. It's to preach the gospel. Paul's amazed at his mercy. And I, I know me, I say the same thing. To save a wretch like me. 27 years old when I got saved. And I'll tell you what, those 27 years, I mean, were, were, were not good for the most part. And I'm amazed, too. I want to sing that song, Amazing Grace, to save a wretch like me, because I'm just as much as a wreck as Paul, wretch as Paul was. And so are you, by the way. The only thing that makes you righteous is the blood of Christ that you believe in that washes your sins away so that in the spirit, man, you will see God in heaven. So should you be amazed, astonished, dumbfounded, shocked, awestruck, that God would would save you 
You should be overwhelmed as, as uh, well, how Big Daddy Weave sings. I see the work of your hands, the galaxy spinning, you know, the heavenly dance, O oh God. All that you are is so overwhelming. I hear the sound of your voice. All at once it's gentle and thundering noise of God. All that you are is overwhelming. I delight myself in you. I'm captivated by your love. That's where Paul's at. I'm captivated by your love, Almighty God. Are you? By your beauty, captivated by your beauty. Listen, if you, you just think about God and what he did for you, you can come up with nothing, not nothing, no better word than beauty of the Lord. You look at the world, the universe, the creation that he has done down here, you're amazed at it. And wait till you walk in those pearly gates. You haven't seen anything yet. Neither have I. God, I run into your arms. That's where you need to go today. Every one of us need to run into his arms like Paul did, unashamed, full of mercy. I know your power, the power of his cross. You need to know the power of his cross that, that saves you, a wretch like you. You need to know the power of the cross that saves a wretch like you. Unbelievable what God has done for him. I delight myself in you. You know, a lot of Christians, they march around like they don't even want to be saved. They can't do what they want anymore. You should be delighted in the Lord. Actually, Psalm 37, 5 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. But he isn't talking about your desires. He's talking about if you have a desire to love him, then he'll give you the desire to follow him and to serve him with all of your heart. That verse is used so much out of context, it's unbelievable. Delight myself in you, and, and God will give me a condo on the French Riviera, or how about my Jaguar I always wanted. Nonsense. Here, your desire will be his, his desire, will you be doing your desire, and you know what that is? To be unashamed of the gospel of Christ, to go out there and preach the gospel. I run into your arms. A lot of people, you know, want to run away from God, to run away from his arms. Actually, that's how I became a Christian. I was I had a dream, and I was running away from the Lord. I was about ready to turn a corner, and I woke up. And when I got to work, I told the dream to a Christian friend of mine, and he was a Christian, but I wasn't. He was witnessing to me. He said, okay, Joe, when you turned that corner, who, what do you think would have been around that corner? I said, Jesus would have been around the corner. He said, what are you going to do about it? And that right there, I bowed. That was it. I, was, I surrendered to the Lord. You know, don't run away from his presence. That's what I mentioned a couple weeks ago. That's what Cain did. He went out from the presence of the Lord. And then he said in chapter 4, he said, my, my penalty, my, my, my penalty is too much. How can I bear it? Listen, if you go out from the presence of the Lord, that is the worst you could ever do. Go out from the presence of the Lord. Run into his arms, unashamed, because he's full of mercy, and be overwhelmed. The Lord is beautiful. He's wondrous. He's glorious. Man, that's what Paul is saying here. You, too, should be overwhelmed with the grace of God that saved a wretch like you. And that's what Paul is saying. That's what Paul is saying. Verse 15. I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Paul's ready. He can't wait to preach the gospel. 
That's what every missionary out there is doing. They can't wait to preach the gospel. They got to get out there and preach the gospel. You know, to those that are at Rome, Paul's got his sights set on Rome because he was told he's going to Rome. Read Acts chapter 26, verse 17 and 18. He knows he's going to Rome. He's going to stand before Caesar. He knows that he's going to be probably executed there. But he said that he's prepared for that. He's ready to go if that's what the Lord wants. He fulfilled his calling. You know, by the time he preaches to, to, to Caesar, he has finished the calling that he's done. But God kept him there for years in Rome, in his, in his own rented house, you know, and he preached the gospel to everyone that wanted to hear. And that may be why I'm here today, because my, my mother was from Naples, which is just south of Rome. My dad was from, is from Palermo, Sicily, which isn't that far from Rome, on the island. Maybe, you know, Paul's preaching led to some of the people in my family getting saved that led me to the Lord eventually. In this passage so far, we didn't get to the next verse, for I am not ashamed, but Paul has three I am statements here. Three I am statements. Number one, I am a debtor. Number two, I am ready to preach the gospel. And number three in verse 16, I am not ashamed. Three I am statements. Jesus, you know, had seven from the cross. Three I am statements. I am a de debtor. Remember, he's, he's, he's speaking to the cultured Greek, and he's also speaking, it says barbarians here, which actually means the pagans. He's preaching to the Greeks, which are highly sophisticated, and to the pagans that are not so highly sophisticated. He's been called to all people, whether you're sleeping under a bridge or whether you're in the White House. He's preaching. I am ready to preach in season and out of season. He says, I'm ready. You just open your mouth and I'll, I'll preach God, the gospel to you. Not your words, God's word. You can say whatever you want. It goes straight to the ground. You say God's word and it'll keep on flourishing throughout the land. Because those people that heard it might be going to tell somebody else later on after they get saved, or even before they're saved. Oh, Joe was preaching to me, and he told me the only way I'm getting to heaven is through Jesus Christ, and I don't believe with that. But I tell him, Jesus told me that. Jesus told you that. Don't, don't bug me. Jesus said it. Are you calling Jesus a liar? Oh, convict them. Conviction's going to fall on them from the Holy Spirit. He's ready to preach in season and out, and so should we. When it comes up out there, just give your testimony. Paul gave his testimony many times just so that everybody could see the love, the mercy, the grace of Almighty God. You know, he's eager to preach, and so should you be eager to preach. Paul was in debt to every man is what he's saying because of the grace he received and the bountiful you know, the, the bountiful grace he received from the Lord. He's in debt to a lost world. This guy is serious. You know what? I, I, I said it maybe one, many times before, but Coca-Cola has a great campaign to get everywhere in the world. Even people that never heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ could come out and give you a Coca-Cola. But the gospel hasn't gotten there. Why is that? 
the advertising campaign for the Christians isn't so hot because a lot of people, a lot of Christians don't say anything. Are they what Paul says here, for I am not ashamed? Are they ashamed? Are you ashamed? Listen, you're talking about the God of the universe and His Son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, taught us all these beautiful things, went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, should you believe Him, and you're ashamed of it? You ought to be ashamed of yourself is what you ought to be ashamed of. Preach the gospel in season and out. The gospel is simple. Christ came, He died, He was buried, and He has risen the third day according to the Scriptures. Preach it. Don't just go to church on Wednesday, Thursday, or Sunday, or men's Bible study. Preach it, even in the Bible study. Men's Bible studies or women's Bible study isn't so that the housewives can talk or the, or the men can get to know one another. We're to get to know Jesus. We're to get to know Jesus. Paul says in verse 16, the third I am statement. Remember, I am a debtor. I am not. I am ready to preach the gospel. And how he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. The gospel revives men. You know that? Because these people out there that you see walking around that don't know Jesus are really dead. Their spirit man is dead. They're dead men walking is what they are. I think we sang it. Did we sing that song tonight by Jeremy Camp, Dead Men Walking? And we just sang a Jeremy Camp song, but it wasn't Dead Man Walking. But I'll tell you what, these are dead men walking. And you have the equipment to bring them to life by preaching the gospel to them. You can revive these dead men. These dead men walk around. They don't have any purpose. They think they have a purpose. Their purpose is to what? To become the CEO of, of, of Quaker Oats or something? Who cares? Who cares? The older they get and the more they're invested into their work, they just, they just assume they have um, a purpose, but it's a false purpose. Paul says, but I thank God because he found purpose. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have found purpose. Your purpose is to preach the gospel, to be unashamed of the gospel of Christ, and to preach it to everyone that you possibly can. Find purpose by believing in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, the gospel is the power of God. I just said it earlier, it's not your words. When I get up here, I like to use Scripture. Because, you know, I'm not no eloquent speaker. You know what? But you don't have to be an eloquent speaker. Ask Moses. You know? You don't have to be an eloquent speaker. But men are attracted to eloquent speakers. They, w they could be preaching wrong stuff, but you're attracted to them because they're an eloquent speaker. That's you're, it's bad news. You're better at listening to somebody who has the foundation of the gospel instead of an eloquent speaker. It's gospel is the power of God. It's not your words, it's God's words, and that's why I use lots of Scripture when I preach. And I'm going to keep on doing that too. <coughs> it's God's words that are powerful. You use Scriptures and not stories. I have one person saying to me, 
I'm tired of one, one scripture and a, and a story. I've heard them say that several times. They're tired of it. We aren't up here pastors to, and elders and deacons that preach. We're up here to preach the gospel, not to tell a story about our family. One preacher asked me once, he was a young guy just getting into preaching. He said, how did I do tonight? He actually preached. It was a, a Wednesday night, I think. He said, how did I do tonight, Pastor Joe? I said, you want to know the truth? He said, yeah. I said, well, I know more about your, your wife, your children, and your grandfather than I do about Jesus Christ. And that's a no-no, pastors. It's a no-no. You can use a story, but get out of it right away and get back to the Scriptures. Scripture should be the domination of your, of your preaching. You know, Acts 4.12 says, you know, the Word of God is, is quick and powerful. That's the right Scripture verse. I'm not, I think I got the wrong Scripture. But listen, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Use it. Use the Scripture. Paul says, "Look, let's look a little bit deeper. I am not ashamed of the Gospel. At this point, at this time in Rome... It was ruled by Caesar Nero, one of the rottenest, low-down, disgusting, sinful Caesars Rome ever had. He was a madman, and he wanted to exterminate Christianity. He wanted to exterminate Christianity. You know, he blamed the fire in Rome that he set to burn down things so that he could build new stuff. He blamed it on the Christians. You know what? He was a madman. He wanted Christianity exterminated. He would dress Christians in sheepskin and throw them to the lions and say, where's your shepherd now? He would also dip them in wax and light them up to light up his garden. And he said, you wanted to be the light of the world? Now you're going to light of the world. Now talk about eh, sinful, disgusting people. Well, that's a good example. Unless he repented, you won't see him in the kingdom of heaven. With all of his heart, I might add. Rome was an entertainment capital of the world. Hollywood would blush at Caesar Nero and Rome. And Hollywood, you know, is disgusting. We have about 200 channels on our TV, and I say to Liz all the time, there's nothing ever any good. 200 channels, I guess. I don't know how many, but I'm just guessing. But there's a lot of channels. I'm here like, I'm stuck on watching Bonanza or something like that. Or turning on, most of the time, the Christian radio station, Christian radio, which it's uh, 826 on our, our TV. It was the entertainment capital of the world. Hollywood would blush. Rome's greeting back in these days was, Caesar is Lord, capital, small L, we say. Caesar is Lord. Caesar ain't Lord. The Lord of nothing. He's gone now. No followers of Caesar Nero today. All followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even Confucius and all those guys and Mohammed and Buddha, they're all in their grave. You know, some of them are cut up or burned up in ashes and put under the pillars. Nonsense. The only one that's alive and tubes empty is, of course, Jesus Christ. The pride of the Roman officers in Rome were they were pompous and arrogant, snobbish, boastful. It was a proud, cocky place. It's kind of getting like America. We better beware. 
I don't care if you take me off of YouTube. I don't care. I don't care about YouTube anyhow. You know what? This world will be a better place without YouTube or Facebook as far as I'm concerned. Paul is not ashamed for five reasons of the gospel. He's not ashamed of the gospel for five reasons. Number one, the gospel is prophetic. Okay, Paul, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ, called to me an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through the prophets. It's prophetic. Which he promised before through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus. We saw that in Genesis 3.15, the seed of the woman will crush Satan's skull, and Satan would only bruise his heel. That's prophetic. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3 says, God, who in various times and in various ways spoke in the past through the prophets and the fathers, but in these last days, our days, he speaks through his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. The prophecies in the Old Testament, I say to it many times, 365 prophecies point to one person that could fulfill it, and that was Jesus Christ, him alone. There is no other. My One of the favorite pastors that I know says there's 366. He's even counting one for a leap year day. You have one scripture, prophetic scripture, per day, every day of your life. But God did that on purpose. I'm convinced of it. Jesus even said it this way in John 5:39. He said, "You search the scriptures, and in the scriptures you think you have eternal life." See, a lot of people think, "Well, I have the scriptures. It's it's on my TV. It's on my coffee table." Well, you think you have eternal life? Jesus says, "No, no. These are they that bear witness of Him. 365 of them. 365 of them." You think it's in the scriptures? No. You know, I told you once before, and I probably, you might have heard it before, but if you take all the names of the forefathers from Adam to Noah, and you take the meaning of their name, okay, you got Adam and Seth and Enosh and Canaan and uh, Methiel and Jared and Enoch and Methuselah and Lamech and Noah. If you take Adam, Adam's name is Earthman. You know that, right? And, and Seth's name is, is appointed. And Enoch's name is mortal. And Canine's, Canine's name is sorrow. And Methiel's name is the blessed God. And Jared's name means, these are meanings of their name, shall come down. And Enoch's name is teaching and instruction. And Methuselah's name meaning, name meaning is his death shall bring. Lamech's name is strong. And Noah's name means rest or comfort. If you take those, those forefathers of the face from Adam to Noah, you can read the meaning of their name. Here's the meaning of their name points to Jesus. It says right here, Earth man is appointed mortal, sor mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down, teaching and instructing. His death shall bring strong rest or comfort. Whoo! I got the chills up here. God... You are without excuse if you don't know Jesus Christ. If you live, how, how old are you for if you're 
10 years old or 110 years old, you are without excuse. The scriptures are clear. The scriptures are prophetic. Number two, reasons why Paul is not ashamed. Not only is the scriptures prophetic, but it's provable. The scriptures are provable. Here's what Romans 1.4 says. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. In other words, it's provable. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. You can even find that in the secular um, theologians, um, Josephus. He tells you that Jesus' tomb was empty. They can't find his body because his body was alive and well. And it's provable because how many, how many disciples were left? Oh, see, there was 11, and Paul was added, and then Matthew was added. So really, there's like 13 apostles, and they all 12 of them went to their deaths for a lie or for truth. I know I wouldn't die for a lie. And what else? It's according to his Son of God, declared to be the Son of God with power. And the scriptures are very clear that when Messiah comes, the deaf will see, the, de- the, the, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the mute will speak, the lepers will be cleansed, the, the dumb shall, shall speak, the lame will walk, and, and the dead will arise. It's proof. It's provable. It's provable. The disciples, some of them were beat with clubs, boiled in oil, speared, crucified, upside down for a lie. This isn't going to happen. I know you would say, I ain't dying for no lie. But they did die for the truth. Because Jesus did say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Only Jesus rose from the dead. Not Buddha, Muhammad, Confucius, no philosophers or gurus, none. So it's provable and it's prophetic. Number three, the gospel is personal. Romans 1.5, by whom we have received grace and apostleship. You also, church, have received grace and, and apostleship or a gift, whatever, a church office or a church gift to encourage one another. The scriptures say there's a man that, there's one that sticks closer than the brother, Proverbs uh, 1824, I believe it is. There's one that sticks close to the brother. You know, the gospel is personal. Jesus is a personal Savior for each and every one of us. You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Not, hey, that, that, that guy talks about Jesus. He doesn't, you know, you don't have a, per, a personal relationship with the Lord. If you're pointing him on and saying, he has a personal relationship with Jesus, but you don't. You need one. What a friend you have in Jesus. The scriptures are very clear. 2 Timothy 1.12 says, By whom I believe and am persuaded. This is Paul talking to Timothy. You know, by whom I believe and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him until that day. That's the judgment day referring to there. Okay. It doesn't say not by what, but by whom. You see that? In 2 Timothy, by whom, not what, I have believed, but whom I have believed. See, he's personal because he's a Savior. He's a person. He's a person. 
you know, it's by whom you believe, not your good works, not because you were a Sunday school teacher for 30 years, not because you light a candle every week or you fast one day a week. No, it's by Jesus whom you are saved. It's Jesus who did the work, not Paul, and it's Jesus who did the work, not you. If you say to Jesus, I have to, I, I, I'm going to have to um, uh, do good works to get to heaven, what you're really saying is, Jesus, your work wasn't sufficient. And he's going to say, what? All I went through for you, and you say it wasn't sufficient? So you have to be, you know, you have to teach Sunday school or light a candle or fast once a week? Nonsense. You're actually calling Jesus a liar. And you got to be careful. It's Jesus who did the work. It's Jesus that's doing the work in you right now. Hopefully through this message, it will help change your life for the better. Because you'll do more good works for Jesus because you fell in love with him and received him than you ever will by the flesh. The gospel number four, five reasons why Paul is not ashamed and you should not be ashamed. The gospel is powerful. The gospel is powerful. It is the power of God. You know the Greek word dunamos, which means dynamite or dynamic power. You know, the gospel pierces your conscience. It grasps your soul. It warms a person's heart. It sets you apart. It cuts to the soul and spirit. It goes deep into the center of your bones. And it challenges your thoughts and much more. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The gospel is powerful. People that you'd never think would get saved would get saved, like Paul. Like Paul, he was, he was a no-gooder. He, he was, you know, murderous. But God forgave him because the word was living and powerful, and it changed the apostle. It changed Saul Life. Saul of Tarsus' life was changed, and he became a new man, and that's why we call him Paul today. He decided to use his his uh, Hebrew name, no, his his uh, Gentile name, I guess, his Greek name, Paul, instead of Saul. Listen, the gospel is powerful. It changes men like him, and I can name a, a number of people in the world. I can name everybody here, because I know you. And I can name myself, and I can look at some of the people in the world. How about, how about, um, what's his name? Phil Kage. You ever hear of Phil Kage? You know, when, when they went up to Eric Clapton, and they said, how does it feel to be the greatest guitarist in the world? He said, I don't know. You'll have to ask Phil Kage. He's a Christian artist. Phil Kage was so wild, he was in one of those wild demonic bands, his, his little finger got cut, caught in his way on his guitar, so he cut it off. That's how bad he was when God saved him. Keith Green, another one, you know, a Jewish fella. He got saved and became a powerful missionary and, and songwriter, one of the greatest pianos in the world, you know, back then. And he went, he's with the Lord now because he was in a plane crash carrying food to, to people in another country. The gospel 
makes a perverted, a perverted man pure, a drug addict whole, a drunkard sober, a crooked man honest, an evil man good, and a liar truthful, and many other things. This all proves Jesus is alive, and he's at work today, 2,000 years later. So it's powerful. The Word of God is powerful. God will prove himself to others as you use the powerful Word of God to preach to them. The gospel is powerful because it's based upon a person, and that person is the Lord and Savior of who clothed himself with flesh and came down amongst us. And number five of the five reasons Paul is not ashamed of the gospel, the gospel is preachable. It is preachable. That's why Matt's going out. He's going to teach English to missionaries that need to know English to preach. That's why Brett goes out to different places to be an evangelist and to preach the gospel. The gospel is preachable to everyone who believes, but they must believe and must believe. And I say believe, as I always say, it's a verb and it demands action. You can't say I believe and then there's no action. You have to believe. There's action. They must believe. It's, it's, it's preachable that even a college professor can receive it. It's preachable before, because a five-year-old can get it. Because all you have to do is believe. The man who's on his deathbed can cling to it. And I've saw that many times. The work is already done by Jesus. All you have to do is believe. And in his preaching, Paul, and it may even happen to some of us, but not, not so much in America, but it's starting to come down on us now. I was told today by a friend of mine in New Hampshire that they actually took him off of, of uh, one of the sites because he makes T-shirts about Jesus. What's this world coming to? The work was already done by Jesus. All you have to do is believe. Paul was persecuted. He was mobbed in Jerusalem, mocked in Athens, stoned in Lystra, shipwrecked on Malta, and martyred in Rome. But he kept on preaching. How simple is, is the gospel? Religion scares people away. Religion says you have to do this, you have to do that. Jesus says you don't have to do nothing but believe that I came, I died, I was buried, and I am risen, according to the Scriptures. That's simple. Don't make it hard, preachers out there. If you want to come to this church, all you got to do is believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of all, and he's the Lord of your life and you received them as your Savior. There was a place in, in 2 Kings 7, 9. I'll just tell you about it. Jeru um, it was um, Samaria was under siege by Ben-Hadad of, of, of the Syrians. Jeroboam was walking the wall, King Jeroboam, and a woman says to him, he says, she says, King, the woman over here said that, you know, that if, if we'll, we'll, eat, we'll eat her child, that's how bad they were, they resulted to cannibalism. She promised that we'll eat my child today and her child tomorrow. And she said to the king, but she hid her son from me today. 
We ate my son yesterday. It was terrible. And, and Joram says, he says, if I get my hands on Elisha, his head will be removed. So he went and sent somebody to get Elisha. And Elisha said, tomorrow, everything will return to normal. But meanwhile, there's these four lepers. And they, they were sitting at the wall, but they were starving to death. And nobody would feed them. They didn't have any food. So they said, well, if we go to the city, they won't let us in. If we stay out here, we're going to die of starvation. Let's go to the Syrian camp. So they go to the Syrian camp, find out that God caused a big army to be heard, and all the Syrians took off, left all their horses, their food, their, their spoil from all the tri triumphs that they had. And they sat there and they ate till they were full. They took, took possessions and hid them underground. And finally they said to themselves, we're not doing right. We're not doing right. This is a day of good news and we got our mouth shut. Well, I want to tell you, church, that, that is the church today. This is a day of good news, and we keep our mouth shut. And Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and we too need to do the same thing and say that and do that. You are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Who cares what your co-worker says that you're a Jesus freak? Who cares? Who cares if they call you a holy roller? Jesus said this in Luke 6.22. He said, Blessed are you when men hate you and persecute your name for evil and, and ostracize you. He says, Jump and leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. This is a day of good news. And us Christians, too bad. You know what? If they take you off of Facebook, too bad. Take you off of YouTube, too bad. You know what? They could take all our stuff off wherever we're at. I'm going to still preach the gospel. Won't go as far, maybe. But God, you know what? You know God's able to bring people in that front door, don't you? Yes, he is. He could, somebody could be having a dream, so you go to Freedom Church tomorrow, and they'll come to Freedom Church. That's God. God is amazing. You and I are those lepers. We were cleansed by the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, and now we are whole, and now it's a day of good news that we need to share with everybody else. Listen, I'm not even done with this lesson. I've got one or two more pages to do. I'm going to end it, and we're going to continue next week on chapter, verse, you know, chapter 1 of Romans, verse 16, halfway through, and I'm going to do that part next week. But you get the message here tonight. Do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for salvation. In other words, open your mouth and speak the good news. And don't be ashamed, because you are a son or a daughter of the Most High. Father, we thank you for your word here tonight, Lord. We bless your holy name. You are God, and there is no other, and we love you with all of our heart. Father, we're sinners. We fall short of your glory. We repent of our sins, and we ask you to help us turn away so that we can become better believers, Just not because we're saved by it, but because we love you so much. To you be the glory, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Tune in Sunday, everybody online, 10 a.m., freedomchurchpb.org. I love you all, and God bless, in Jesus' name.